Well, most likely you've all seen examples in various sports how athletes sacrifice their bodies on a regular basis to achieve a level of greatness in their sport or uh, to accomplish something good for their team so that they can be successful. And thinking about that, I just think about football season is about ready to start. And um, I remember just various times watching a receiver on the field when he's running a route and the ball's coming in high and he leaps up as high as he can, reaches the zenith of his, his leap and the ball is there and he catches it with both hands, but he is leaving his body fully exposed for that defender to deliver a bone-crushing hit to try to separate his body from the ball and to make an incomplete pass. And, uh, man, it makes me wince sometimes when I see that. And then in basketball, uh, we've seen uh, whether it's uh, men or women's basketball, uh, someone driving toward the hoop and a defender suddenly getting in the path of the one driving to the hoop hoping not to get a blocking foul, but to draw a charge, and they'll get their position, and they'll stand there to defend the basket, and they know that there's going to be a collision, uh, that they're willing to sacrifice their body to try to defend that goal and to keep the basket from being scored for the other team. Certainly in baseball, we see it all the time. We see when a base runner is going around third and there's a throw coming to home plate and the catcher is blocking the plate and the runner's coming in and diving and you know there's going to be pain. (laughs) And so we see all of these different examples of sacrifice for a greater good, Uh, even thinking about hockey, and I know I can't cover every sport so you can figure out your own example. But even in in hockey, I've seen this recently in this past hockey season, it's not just the goalie, you know, that has taken the brunt of all those pucks. A lot of times, if you're on the defending team at the time as uh, one of the wingmen or whoever is passing the puck and getting ready to have a shot on goal, and the goalie is there defending, but the other skaters, if they're on the team, they're also trying to get their body in between the puck and the goalie to even help block that puck. And I've seen guys take a puck right in the face, and that's why a lot of times they have an interesting grin. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But we've all seen examples, I think, of sacrifice in sports. And, of course, it goes beyond just sports. Think about first responders, uh, people who give of their time and their energy and risk their own health in order to help people in need. I think about the police department, fire department, uh, EMTs. Again, all of those first responders that we think about that are sacrificing of themselves, sometimes at the cost of their own personal injury or even their own lives to try to help somebody else that that is in a critical time of need. And then certainly we don't want to leave out or forget our military men and women, the soldiers who have served and currently serve. They put their lives on the line and sometimes it's behind the scenes, but you never know when you're going to get that call or you're going to be deployed. You're going to end up in a place that you never thought you'd be, put in a position you never thought you'd be in. And it requires literally just in the line of doing your duty, doing your job, giving your life. It really is amazing. And and though for those who experience the suffering and the loss of a loved one, 
uh, or whether you're the one that's put in that position, there is a beauty, actually. There is a beauty in sacrifice because it's willing to lay aside your own good for a greater cause. And Jesus said this, it's recorded in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And here's what I think most of us maybe miss when we think about Jesus saying those words. I'll just say for myself, the, the first time I heard this, I certainly thought about what Jesus did for us and the fact that he laid down his life for us and literally died on the cross of Calvary, that one all-time great act of sacrifice for all humanity for all time. But I began to think, I think God wants us to broaden our, our view of this whole aspect of laying down our life. Uh, rather than it just being a one-time thing, what if it was meant, and what if he meant for something that was more than just a one-time incident? So I want us to think about that, because we picture in our minds that single act in which someone forfeits their life in order to save someone else. But again, in the way that Jesus laid down his life for us, yes, it was a one all-time great act, but he was able to take his life back up again. He rose up from the dead. And he continues to offer his Holy Spirit presence to every single one of us that we might experience his forgiveness and his grace and his power to serve him and to do his work in the world and to follow his example in the way that we lay down our lives for other people, for people in need. Make no mistake about it, Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Nobody took it from him. And in fact, this is why he told his disciples this before he went to the cross. His words are recorded in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. He says this, my father loves me because I lay down my life. There it is. I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Jesus wanted his followers to know before he went to the cross, and he had warned them, he said, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be put on trial, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be beaten and abused, I'm going to be nailed to a cross, and I'm going to die. But that's not the end of the story. I'm going to rise again, and I have a work, and God has a work that we are doing in the world and I want to encourage you about this before you see me die. And I want to assure you that this is not something that is happening to me that's beyond my control. No one is taking my life from me. I am choosing to lay it down for you. I want you to know this is how much I love you. And he's speaking this not only to the disciples back then. He is speaking that to every single one of us today. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And Jesus demonstrated that he had the power over death because he raised other people from the dead who had died. But as the sinless Son of God, Jesus did not have to experience death. 
The scripture teaches us that physical death is a result of all of us as humanity violating God's laws, breaking our relationship with him. And though he has created us and loves us and wants us to respond to his creative ability and his love for us, what do we do? We tend to turn away from him. We tend to ignore him. As human beings, as you know, with the whole theory of evolution, and I do say it is a theory despite what everybody is teaching. It's a theory. But mankind says, no, there is no God. There is no creator. And God is saying, I created you, and I'm giving you a choice, and I want you to respond to my love. But we turn away from him. This is our bent in life. And the Bible tells us the truth that all of us have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glory. Now, I know some of you are listening to this, and perhaps you're thinking, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't know why you guys at church, you gals, everybody, they talk about sin all the time. And what's up with that? That is so old school. People just need to get over it because we're not that bad because basically people are good. Well, just consider this. Let's just go with the simple little Ten Commandments. Let's, let's not even think about everything else in the Scripture. Let's just go with ten things that God has said. Number one, God said, I created you and I want you to love me in response to that creative ability. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So how many of you that think you're good and think you're not that bad have every day of your life loved God, acknowledged him as creator with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? Well, strike one. I think we all strike out there. And myself as a pastor, even now as a pastor, though I do love God, I don't love him perfectly every day. I feel like I'm not capable of doing it, though I try and do my best. I fall short. Okay, let's think of some other things. Well, then God says, don't make any graven images and worship things made with man's hands. Well, all right, granted, some of us maybe don't carve out an image and make it into a God and worship that God that we've made with our own hands that depended on our hands to make it, and then we worship it as a God. Think about that. But we worship technology, something man's hands have made, and I, I like technology. I use it all the time. I like my car that I drive, uh, my vehicles. I like my house that I live in. Worship, worship literally means worth-ship. How much worth are you assigning to something? And the more worth you assign to something is the amount that you worship it. So let's think about it. Versus the time you spend worshiping God and thinking about him, how much time do you spend thinking about your house, the bills, the car, the clothes, the latest technology that you want? Am I getting through to some of you? Well, Mark, okay, you know, but you're just being way overly religious. Come on, I'm not that bad. All right, the scripture says that we're not to speak untruthful things. We're not to tell lies. We're not to bear false witness. How many of you throughout your entire life have never told a lie or an untruth about, about anything? Not even to get at, maybe you got into trouble or you're afraid of getting into trouble. So you're like, well, I'll just kind of cover this up a little bit and I'll, I'll twist it here a little bit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Because if you don't raise your hand, you know what I'm going to call you? <laughs> you got it. 
So if even one time you've not told the truth, what does that make you? A liar. That's a sin. Oh, I could go on and on and on, but I don't want to depress you too much this morning. What we need to understand, though, is God in his love and in his truth has given us the truth to say, look, I love you, but you all are messed up. You're not achieving what I have designed you to be and do, but I want to help you. But as long as you reject me, as long as you reject that I even exist, as long as you acknowledge that I exist, but you don't want to follow me and you want to go your own way, then... Maybe you're going to at some time figure out why the world is in such confusion and such a mess. But if you will turn to me, I love you. And I've provided a way that you can be forgiven through Christ and enter into a relationship with me and be open to me so that now by my power you can live in a newness of life and you can begin to become who I have created you to be and reach your full potential. But until we do that as human beings, we're going to miss it. And that word is a word that sounds real religious, sounds real intimidating, sounds real condemning, but that word is repent. Repent. Think about where you're headed in life, change your thinking about it, and then be willing to turn from your direction and turn to God and ask for his forgiveness, help, and grace and begin to follow him. That's what repentance is. And it's not a one-time act that you did a long time ago, and now you and God are cool and you can get on with your life. Repentance is an every day, every morning, every moment when you get up, you're making choices. Am I going today to walk in repentance or start going back the way that I've always been? So Jesus did not have to die because he was perfect. He never lied. He did love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was obedient to God even unto death. He loves you and I supremely. He showed that love through his life, death, and resurrection. He demonstrated the power of God in his life. Jesus did not have to die because he was not under the curse of sin, which is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we deserve because of our sin and our rebellion to God, whether it's extreme or mild, it's still rebellion. And that brings about physical death. That's why death came into the world. Christ came and he took our curse. He did not sin. He didn't have to take it on, but he took it on. And this is why I go back to saying it's so important for you to understand that Jesus said, I am laying down my life for you. Nobody is taking it from me because I'm not under the curse. I don't have to die. I'm going to take this curse that's on you. And I'm going to experience it in my perfect, holy, righteous, sinless life. I'm going to take your curse on my body and I'm going to go through it. But here's the good news. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to come out of the tomb, and if you will put your trust in me, though you physically will go through that death, it's not an eternal death. You'll be with me forever, and I'm going to do something even more amazing than that. In time to come, I'm going to resurrect your bodies, and I'm going to give you a glorified body, and your soul is going to be reunited with that glorified body, and forever and ever and ever and ever, we're going to be together the way it was meant to be. But the choice is up to you and I today. Are you up for that or not? Maybe that's not appealing to you and you want to just keep doing your own thing and hoping for the best. And I say this in love, but I'm here to warn you, if, re if you reject the love of God and the sacrifice that he has given of himself for you, 
The Bible says there's no sacrifice left for sin. If you reject Christ as your personal Savior, and if you choose to refuse to believe in him, then God is going to give you what you want all eternity with no God, nothing in your life, even the blessings that God is giving you now that you're not honoring him for, and all the goodness that comes from him that you're not giving him credit for, you're going to lose all of that. Think about the worst time of suffering and misery that you can go through in life right now. And just understand, if you reject Jesus as your Savior, God says, I'm going to give you what you want for all eternity. If you reject now, then I'm going to give you what you want. All eternity, absolute misery, aloneness, suffering. So Jesus gave his life. He laid down his life for you and I that we might not have to go through that because he loves us. He wants you and I to be in relationship with him. That's why Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than one who lays down his life for his friends. And in the fact that Jesus laid down his life for you and I, he is calling us friends. He says, I want to be your friend, but I'm giving you the choice. Do you want to be a friend to me? In fact, this is what Jesus says in the, this whole context of this verse and what he says in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. You can follow along in your scriptures, but I do have it on the screen. This is what Jesus says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, Jesus, again, in this context, he wasn't saying, well, I'm not going to be your friend unless you do what I tell you. And if you do what I tell you, then I'll be your friend. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've already demonstrated my love for you and that I want you to be my friend because I've laid down my life for you. Your response now, your choice is, are you willing to respond to my love by doing what I'm asking you to do? And by loving one another as I have loved you and returning that love to me. If you do that, then you're going to show that you're truly my friend. Because Jesus, in this sense, is just like us. He doesn't like to be told things that aren't authentic and genuine and real for people. He doesn't want to just hear us say, oh, yes, Jesus, we love you. And then we never do anything at all to demonstrate that love. And I don't think there's a person here that appreciates somebody that'll say something to their face that sounds all good, but then they never act on what they are told. We don't appreciate that. Neither does God. So he's just telling us in love the truth. You really are showing you're my friends in the way that you respond to my friendship and how you live your life. And then he goes on and he says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. There's two clear primary commands that Jesus has given us as his followers. And he really does keep it simple. Number one command that he's made very clear is that we are to tell other people about him. That's it. Tell other people about Jesus. That's what Jesus meant when he told his apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. A disciple is simply a lifelong learner, a student. 
tell other people about me, help them to learn about me, help them to become lifelong learners in this journey together, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe and obey all the things that I'm teaching. That's, that's what it's so. That's primary clear goal number one, just tell other people about Jesus. And then the second one is also very clear and very simple, love one another. Love each other while you're doing this. And not only just love each other, but love each other as I have loved you. Which means be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to lay down your life in some way. And again, I don't believe it's a one-time thing. Because if it were a one-time thing, then we'd only get one shot at it, and then it's over with. But if we can learn to lay down our life in some way, every day, in some circumstance, then each day we have a privilege to lay down our life in some way to help someone in need. It means taking time out of your busy schedule to call them and check on them or visit them in the hospital or in their homes or to maybe mow their lawn if, if they can't have that done or take them a meal or whatever it may be. Take time out of your busy schedule to sacrifice some of yourself, lay your life down in those moments to help someone in need. As I have loved you, Jesus said, love one another. So there's just four simple points in this loving, because what does it mean to love one another as Jesus loves? And so I've just taken the word care, and I've taken each letter of the word care, and I want us to think about, in that word care, how we can show love for one another as Jesus did. So the first thing is, you can't love one another as Jesus did if you're not willing to be in contact with other people. So certainly right now, you're in contact with other people as you made your way into our facility here today and as you hopefully spoke to other people and you're sitting here around other people. That's great. That's a level of contact. But before you walk out these doors today, introduce yourself maybe to someone. Or if you see somebody that you haven't seen for a while, make sure you say hello to them. Get into some conversations with them. It's how we can love one another as Jesus loved us because Jesus did not stay up in heaven. He didn't stay aloof. He said, you all are dirty and messy and sinful, and I'm holy and righteous, and I'm not even getting involved in that. No, he said, I care. I love you. So I'm going to get into my creation and I'm gonna become one of you, and I'm gonna walk among you, and I'm gonna get dirty and grimy and sweaty with you, and I'm gonna know what it's like to thirst and to suffer pain and heartache and agony and suffering and even death because I care about you. So if you wanna love others as Christ has loved us, you gotta be willing to take some steps to be in contact with people. Yes, people in the church, because we're to love one another, but also those who are not yet believers who have not yet come to faith in Christ. They need to see the love of Christ demonstrated in you and I as his followers because that's how Jesus works. So we need to be in contact with other people. And you can't love one another as Jesus did if you're not willing to be available. So that's the next word that you need to think about because you might say, well, Mark, I'm not, I'm not sure what I can do for someone. Well, sometimes just being available through the visiting, through the conversation, you might become aware of a need and either you can meet it or you can connect them with somebody else that can meet that need. But you've got to make sure that you're allowing yourself to be available to help other people in need. And there's numerous ways that you can do that through the ministries of the church, 
right here. One of the ministries we're highlighting today is Stephen Ministry. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a commissioning service, and then we're going to go into communion together. And we're highlighting Stephen Ministry is just one of the ways that you can intentionally make yourself available to help someone in need. The R in the word care is for response. Because we need to not only be in contact with people and make ourselves available, but then we need to literally respond. When we find out what their need is, we don't just pat them on the head, so to speak, and say a little prayer for them. Nothing wrong with prayer. We need to pray, so I'm not minimizing that. But sometimes God wants us, when we're able and have the ability to, to go beyond just praying for them and put feet and hands to that prayer and act on it and become the answered prayer for that person. And so we need to be willing to respond to that person's need, whether it's helping out at the thrift store and volunteering through Belpre Area Ministries, or whether it's helping out in the nursery or with kid connections or whatever it is and serving in the church, but also serving in the community. What is your response to the needs that are around us? You can get on Facebook and post all day what you think is wrong with the world and wrong with this culture and everything else, but unless you're willing to get in there and do something about it, please save us all a little bit. Do something and quit just talking about it because that's what God is looking for. God wants action, not just words because he's a God of action. And Jesus spoke powerful words, but he backed them up with action. And if we're going to love one another as Christ loved us, then we need to follow his example. And then the fourth letter in care, the E, is for encourage. Because again, we can complain and we can talk about what ought to have been done. And when people are, are in a bad shape uh, and they've gotten themselves into a bad situation, they don't really need us to come along and go, well, you know, I told you that. And if you had just done differently, you wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, that's a great help. What we need is encouragement. So we need to come alongside. And, and yes, it's okay to evaluate how you got into a situation so that you can avoid it in the future. But that doesn't really do a lot of good. What you want to say is, here's where you're at now, and here's where we want to help you with God's strength and grace to get to in the future. Amen. Isn't that a lot better? And we're going to help. We want to love you. We want to care for you. We want to get you on a new path because God is God of hope and love and new things. And he's given you a great future in him. Even with all the mistakes you've made in the past, he can redeem those and he can work all things together for good. That means even the bad, terrible, ugly things that have happened in your life, those are not good, but he can take those tragedies. And if we trust him, he'll even use what we learn from that and ultimately he'll bring good out of it. Because again, he's focused on your future, not your past. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. So we need to learn in some way to lay down our life in some way every day. Stephen Ministry, again, is one of those ways that we do that. Stephen Ministry's mission statement is simply this, and it falls in line with our church statement. Our vision mission statement for Porterfield is that we are all about loving people. That's where we start with. We're going to love you. You, you, you may be way deep in sin and out there and whatever, we still love you. We're not going to approve of everything you do biblically because, again, the Bible is our standard. God's Word is our standard. But though we, God doesn't approve of it, we may not approve of it, we're still saying we love you, we care about you. And so part of love is also making people aware of things and then giving them an opportunity to choose a better path. But again, the choice is up to them. We don't force you. God doesn't force you. He allows you the choice, but the opportunity is there. 
So we're about loving people and leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what uh, this whole Christian life is all about. Now, under that, as a way that fits in, our Stephen Ministry mission and vision statement is caring for people facing life's difficulties with the love and healing presence of Christ. It's a way that we love one another as he has loved us. It's a way that we show that we're friends. So just real quickly, I've got a few things. If you're not part of Stephen Ministry and you would like to do that, we encourage you to consider it. And we'll let you know when our next Stephen Ministry training is, is happening. Uh, you can sign up for the classes and they go through 50 hours of training just to help you be equipped to be good listeners and how to pray with people, encourage them. And again, come alongside people and love people the way that Christ has loved us. But there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. So this is not just for Stephen Minister. This is for everybody. Look at all the passages in the Bible that tell us ways that we can lay down our life and sacrifice, even uh, for a little bit each day. And I'm not going to give you all the scriptures, but look at them up there. Greet one another. Show hospitality to one another. Be considerate. Care for one another. So there's that word care, the things that I just talked about. Serve one another. Wait for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Keep going. Be patient with one another. Oh, there's a challenge sometimes. Speak truth to one another. Be kind and forgiving. Submit to one another. Teach and warn one another. Comfort one another. Build one another up. All of these ways are ways that we can love each other as Christ loved us, and it's a way that little by little we lay down our life. Encourage one another. Don't slander one another. There we go. There's your social media. <laughs> Seems like I preach on that a lot. And the only reason I do it is because I believe it's what Christ is putting in my spirit to say. So you can decide whether it's me or whether it's the Lord. That's your choice. But he sure seems to be wanting me to make you aware of your social media presence. So don't slander one another. Confess sins to one another. Pray for one another. Have compassion for one another. Use the spiritual gifts that he's given you to help one another this fall be having another class on spiritual gifts. We'll be announcing when that starts, and I hope you'll sign up for that if you haven't done that yet and motivate one another. So the Apostle John sums it up by saying this. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. When it's saying that in the scripture, it's talking about men, women, the family of God. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, how, and, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? God cares so much more than what you say. Actions speak so much louder than words. And so we need to be loving people with our actions and we can't pretend to say we love God and then not be doing these things to meet the needs of others in a very material, tangible way. And then the Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Meaning those of us who have trusted Christ in his death, we need to consider ourselves now dead to the old way of living and now we're alive to Christ and we need to learn to live a new way, the way that he would want us to live. And that's what verse 15 tells us. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again.
So to love as Jesus loved means to take risks. It means to lay down your life on a regular basis in some way or another to do the will of God and to help people in need. And that's what Stephen Ministry does. I want to have a prayer right now, and I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, as I'm praying if uh, our Stephen leaders will come up and those that were getting ready to commission. And just so you know, as soon as we finish the commissioning portion, we're going to go right into communion. But I'd just like to take a moment, because I never know how God's Spirit is working, and I don't often do this, but uh, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And again, I know a lot of, a lot of pastors in the past have done this technique, and, but, but I, I, I want to do this. So just, if you would, out of respect for those who are ready, just bow your heads. Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to take your cell phone. I'm not going to make fun of you. But if you just bow your heads or close your eyes for a moment, and I'm just, I just want to ask you this. If you're here this morning and you've not opened your life to the love of Christ, but you're considering it, would you raise your hand? That's all I'm asking. All right, I'm going to be honest. I'm not seeing any hands raised. So I'm assuming that means that every single one of you are good with Jesus or you're not open to him yet. And that's fine. I respect that. But I want you to be honest. So what I want to do right now is just pray for us as we prepare our hearts to go into a time of communion. And again, God knows your heart. So even now in the fact that I'm handling this the way I am, it's either convicting you or it's confirming or whatever. And I'm going to let God be God. So, Father, as I've asked for a witness right here with a simple lifting up of a hand, I don't know where people's hearts are, but you do, so I'm trusting that they're being honest, but you know their hearts better than I. Lord, if there's someone here that wanted to lift their hand but for whatever reason felt like they couldn't, I pray that you'll just embolden them and encourage them to approach me or a Stephen minister or someone and to just say, hey, you know, I didn't lift my hand, but I really am open to what... God is doing in my life, and I want to learn more, and I want to follow him. And then, Lord, help us to love as you have loved and to share the good news with them and to pray for them and encourage them in that decision. And, Lord, for each one here, if if they didn't raise their hand because everything's good between them and you, I thank you for that. But I pray that you'll challenge us to look for opportunities this week to lay down our life in some small way, to sacrifice of ourselves for a greater good. Uh, to help them and to glorify you. So Lord, as we come into this time of commissioning now, I thank you for your Holy Spirit presence with us. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, I thank you for the sacrifice you've given for us in Christ. For it's in your name that I pray, amen.